Come on, mate. Don't want to just hear my voice. I'm a bit shy, Mitch, so you'll have to turn it up a bit if you want to hear my voice. John Murray, live in the Peloton, and this time we're going outside the Peloton, but in the family of the Peloton, and we're talking to a staff um, member who is a Swanier who works on the our team EF Education First. Um, and John, I mean, I've been wanting to get a Swanier for a long time um, because we're with you all the time, and you guys pretty much are our right-hand men or woman, um, you know, who who do every knick-knack there is to do for us to get us ready for the day. But also, aside from that, you're our little relief from the, from the cycling world. We can chat to you and, um, you know, get some things off our chest or just chew the fat. So I thought it was always really interesting and I want a lot of people to find out exactly what you guys do. And... Well, welcome anyway. Um, Thanks for having me, Mitch. Yeah, no worries. Um, I guess we can start off with, first of all, let's just break it down so everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. What is a soigneur? What does that word mean? Uh, soigneur is a French term. Um, the English really, the English teams in the peloton don't really use it much some more. It's more of a carer. So really it means to care mm. and I think you have to have a caring sort of personality to be a Swanier. Uh, basically we do everything for the professional cyclists so that when you climb on your bikes to start the race you're supposedly in the best condition and you have everything that you want as a professional cyclist from food, mm. clothing, everything. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly right down to everything you know like like I guess that leads me into then let's just run through a typical day for you because I guess maybe some people know or don't know well they have the idea from the outside the sport that a swanier just does massage or they might do massage and feed bags um, give us feed bags during the middle of the race but there's so much else that goes into that you know Run me through a typical day. I think uh, everyone looks at it from the outside and cycling's really, really a, a hip spot at the moment and the seers and the seers on the television in the feed giving a feed bag or at the podium if you have a rider who wins and that's about all they see and they think maybe if they go and get a massage qualification <laughs> they can come but it's that's 5% that's, of what we have to do. That's the glorified you, that's stuff glorified, you see. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> we're on the tour of Poland now, and our last race together was London yep. the weekend before. I'm now living back in the north of England. After London, I drove a car back to the north of England. I set off two days later and drove from the north of England via the tunnel, collect a car in Belgium, and drive to Poland. 
and then we come and pick you guys up. You've 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 flown back to Girona on an aeroplane, which is a pain for you also. First class, mind you. First class Ryanair, <laughs> and then you come from Girona to Poland, yeah. and then I come and meet you again at the airport, and I pick you up. We take you to the hotel room. Your hotel room's already prepared for you, yeah. and we start from there. Yeah, correct. But normally on a, a normal day's race, like on the tour of Poland, there's four of us, and we split two doing the hotel, two doing the race. Uh, the two guys that do the hotel will pack all the luggage to go to the following hotel. Um, when they get to the hotel, they check in the hotel, they put all the staff cases, all the riders' suitcases, everything into the rooms, they put water in all the riders' rooms, they go to the restaurant, the, to talk with the restaurant about dinner on the night, uh, breakfast on the morning. They also, will they will they organise the exact dinner? Will they just ask them what time it is or what are they going to serve? What do they do there? They, they will ask about the menu, but in most races now, everything's already done for us. You know, we, we might want some special requirements. Our riders maybe, you know, want something different and they'll ask for, for that. So they, they go and do all that. They set all the, the Swanier rooms up with massage tables, tables, etc. And then they go out and they prepare food for the race the next day. Mm. Um, the two guys that are left to go to the race, they get up on the morning, they prepare all the bidons to go in the cars, they take all the race food to go in the cars, the mazettes to go in the cars, and they clean the inside of the cars out. So they go to the race... They go to the start, they see the riders at the start, give the rain bags, some of them might want cream on the legs, that sort of thing, and then they'll go to the feed uh, to give the, the bags of food, and then to the finish, and hopefully a podium. But in between, now many, many cases, in between going from the start to the feed to the finish, we also go to different points to, give, to try and give extra bidons yeah, as extra well. Bottle, yeah. So I think you have to have a... A racing car driver qualification sometimes <laughs> to get to all those points and also a good sense of direction yeah you know, like very, very good sense of direction yeah and thank you for the garmins and all the help <laughs> we can get like that so there's a lot of I, w- I could imagine a lot of people sitting back going oh that would be a good part of the job and that would be a good part what is the actual is there a good role in that job where you go oh well he got the lucky job today like is it do you want to be the guy who gets to go to the start, you get to go on the bus, then you get to go along the point of the race and see some of the racing and then go to the finish and see the end of the race? Or would you prefer to go, you know what, once I leave the hotel, I'm free on the road, I get to go to the next hotel, I can set up the hotel and have my own time in the day. What's the best job? Um, some, some people do prefer to do the hotel and some people prefer to do the race. I prefer to do the race, but... On a Grand Tour, the Giro, the Tour de France, the Vuelta, we split it up so we all rotate and do different jobs. Some days when you do the hotel, if you're lucky, you'll be one team in one hotel alone Mm. and the hotel might run smoothly and you have a lot of downtime so you can have a rest in between the race. Whereas on other hotels, you might have seven teams looking for the same water the same electricity Mm. there's problems with all that and you might just get the hotel done five minutes before the bus arrives with the riders so you don't get a rest whatsoever yeah and then you gotta go straight into the massage and blah 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 blah. and when when 
on the race when you have the two rest days in a Grand Tour. For us, it's a rest of the work day. We, we don't really get a break. We still have to prepare for the next day. And usually that rest day is incorporated along transfer as well, where we've had to drive you know, late the next night and next day we, we arrive at the hotel. And like I, a big season for me is you know 90 race days a year, something like that. How many days would you do a year? I think at the least we'd probably do 165 and yeah. at the most probably 190. That's on, what on I mean. Team. Like that blows me away because I think one point I want to go back to is London. You left and we all saw, yeah, see you, John, yeah, see you in Poland, right? And you explained what that was. You left, you went in the car, you drove back home and then a day later you had to get back in the car and then drive down to Poland or across, you know, to Girona and then to Poland. And then I see you in, in Poland, you know, whatever it was, five days later, and it's like, hey, John, how was your week? And nothing in my mind, I know a little bit now, but I'm pretty sure up until a couple of years ago, I sort of just didn't think about how from five days ago you went from London to Poland. And a lot of guys underestimate the amount of time you guys do on the road and the logistics of teams in terms of how my bike gets from one race to the next race. You just disregard that fact. Um, and even though we have to do a bit of travel, we don't have to do it on the road. And that's something um, is a massive part of the job that I think gets underestimated, the amount of time you guys spend on the road. Yeah, I mean, it can be quite a nice part of the job because we do get to see parts of Europe that, that are off tourists never really see. And people from the UK and the wet climates will go to the south of Spain on holiday and spend two weeks there. They work all week in a factory in, mm. in the UK, save the money up, go on holiday, and we get to see all that for nothing. So there are parts that are quite nice. Mm. Maybe when you're at 10 o'clock at night and you're stuck in a traffic jam somewhere in the middle of Paris, it's it's not too good, but, no. you know, it swings and roundabouts. And um, at the end of every race, you go home and you do just want to rest probably like you do when you go on from a Grand Tour. Yeah. You want a couple of days of complete rest. But we do get, you know, good downtime in between the races usually. It's not usually so much of a quick turnaround. And do you have good little spots that you stop off on? Like, for instance, if you're driving a lot of times from Italy back to Spain to go to the service course, you know, you do the same route a lot of times. Is there good little stop-offs that you get to, you know, oh, let's go to that restaurant that we always go to, you know, yeah. in, in Nice or whatever? Not really so much because we do try and cram as many hours driving yeah, okay. in in the day. So I do get to know nearly every Campanile in France. <laughs> uh, we, we, we use usually motorway, hotels just off the motorway, yeah. so it's quick off on a night. The restaurant's still open late on the night, and then we set off again early next day because everybody wants to get back to the service course and then most people will fly out and go home and have a break after they've, you know, when the truck gets back to the service course, we clean all the truck out and, and you know, it's ready for people to prepare for the next race. Yeah, right. Well, tell me about, because I was speaking to you before and you told me that you've been 20 years before you were a physio on a football team in, and football, I mean soccer, in uh, the UK, and then you made the transition over and now you've been seven years as a Swanier. So if you can make a comparison, tell me some little differences and comparisons to working a similar job in a, in a football team compared to cycling. 
I think when you work in a you work in a football team, um, everything's on hand. You you either work out of a stadium or you work out of a training ground. You have a treatment room. You know exactly where everything is. You know exactly how to get there. Everything. You know if you have a problem with a player or who's got an injury. You know where the surgeon is. You know where to go to the doctor. You have everything. Whereas cycling. You go to places you've never been in your life before, and if you have you have a crash and break something or tear something, you, you don't know where the hospital is. You don't know, you know, you you everything's in the dark sort of thing. Um, people just sort of take for granted that cycling has everything and it's so easy and it's a glamour sport, but it really isn't compared mm. to even like some lower league football. Uh, facilities, you yeah. know, c- cycling is everything's done out the back of the bus, and you know, till you get home. I mean, you know that you live in Girona now, but if you had a major problem, you'd probably go home to Australia and yeah. re-, re, you know, rehabilitate, do, do your yeah. rehabilitation in Australia. That's true, like, because everyone, I guess, views as oh, they've got these big buses and you know, these big trucks, but that's all we do have. There is no clubhouse, there is no stadium. And everything has to happen out of those buses or trucks because the rest has to happen on the road at the hotel and you've got to bring as much as you can with you. And that's up to you guys to supply it and know what we need in those buses and trucks. Exactly right. Well, tell me about... Um, in the Swanier system, so normally on this race, we've got four Swanniers and in general, how many does the team have? I think we uh, this year we probably have 11, 12 swan years full-time. Does it come a bit of a hierarchy in the swan years in terms of you start at the beginning, say seven years ago when you came in, and to a degree you would have been green. You would have known what to do on the physio side of things, but as you explained then, there's a lot more to learn. And is there a bit of a process that you have to work your way up to the top and then is in when you are at the top, is there a sort of a boss within the team that sort of directs everyone everywhere? Is that how it works? No, I think we're all a level playing field at this team. I think when I first arrived in cycling, it was a little bit old school. And um, if you made a mistake, everybody sort of laughed behind your back and that sort of thing. Whereas I think we have a really good crew now on our team. And if somebody new comes in, everybody goes you know, overboard to help help so it achieves the best for the team what would have been a mistake that you would have made in the beginning maybe you forget the feed bags in a car or something like that or, <laughs> yeah right you know, forget the paninis or you know but all those things can be solved yeah but you you know you probably had a couple of old guys that were like 30 years in the peloton and oh yeah I forgot the paninis type of thing but I mean luckily that never happened to me <laughs> what, what's something you have made a mistake with I forgot a crash at once somebody's crash at uh, but we managed to get another one so that was solved <laughs> and uh, that's probably about it really oh right that's, that's not yeah. too bad then you got a pretty good streak there um, well then you know like has there come a point where there is enough is enough in terms of so you're dealing with us and I get the feeling you guys are 99% of the time are just like whatever we ask yep I'll see what I can do I'll make it happen and pretty much bend over backwards to be very very um, 
a, you know, very, very work, to work it out for us. Um, and accommodating. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Very accommodating for us. And is there comes a point where you just go, you know what? Enough's enough. Have you had that moment? I don't think we have the point where it's enough's enough because <clears throat> we do try and accommodate you and give you everything you want. And I don't think you do make any, you know, you don't ask for anything that's out of the ordinary and we can get it and we do do, the, do our best to get it. There's There's been a few times in the past where we have had people that, and you probably know the same as me because you've rode with people in the same teams and you think, wow, that, he's a little bit special. <laughs> and we think exactly the same as you. Yeah. Wow, he's a little bit special. But we do try and accommodate them because if he feels when he starts the race that he's benefited from asking for something a little bit different, then maybe, you know, we'll, we'll go and accommodate it. Mm. But you, you know exactly, Mitch, what I'm yeah. talking about. And, you know... Well, I've, I've been... I feel like I've been one of those people sometimes where... I look back at it now and I go, geez, you know, I used to ask for this certain thing all the time or this thing a certain way and, you know, I'm probably doing it now too, but you just, you realise that you just sort of get a bit too comfortable with the amount of help you guys give us and especially when you go home from a grand tour, you really notice what gets done for you and you've been on the road for three weeks a month and you come home and it's suddenly like, yeah, right, I've got to do my own washing now and, you know, I've got to... The breakfast table isn't set in the morning and little things like that and you take it for granted a little bit. So um, that's sort of what I was getting to the point of is that uh, as good as it is getting... making everything easy for us as a natural human habit, habit you, you get lazy and you just accept that and just it becomes a standard for you. And um, I think it's nice to sort of try and realise how much gets done for you along the way and just appreciate it even if it's just a small amount you know um, alright well um, I've got a couple more little things here I wanted to ask you um, go back to the details here and you said okay in the morning you know we do the biddens and we, we prepare the race food and you know we prepare the musettes and whatever but let's just get into a little bit of um, specifics with the numbers because I don't know if everyone knows how much stuff that is and how long it actually takes. And you said, I didn't actually know you did the biddens in the morning of the race. I thought you did the day before. No, I, well, we wrote, we, we, you know, we, we use a bidon with, with mixing with the sugar in. Yeah. And that lasts a couple of days, so we rotate between yeah. the coolest. But, I mean, you, wrote, you ride all the Cobalt Classics. I always do the, the program with the Cobalt Classics, starting in, you know, at the start of the year with Het Newsblad all the way through to Paris-Roubaix. And in those races, you know, they're a little bit more intense and they have all the sections. So at the end of every section of cobbles yes. uh, or every little climb, there's a guy waiting with wheels and we're always there we bid on. So at the morning of a race of a classics or the day before the, the classics, um, we'll prepare the cooler. There's only one car in the classics, so one car follows the riders round. We don't have to make so many bidons actually to go in the race car of the classics because you don't come back you never yeah. ever go back for a bid on in the classics so the, the 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 cooler in the race car really is just there for sure 
and then we mix. Tossing, actually, yeah. it's a little bit for sticky biddens. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, so we have six service cars usually in the classics, and we try and cover every section of cobbles or every every small climb, and those service cars go between and do four or five points. So we have to make cool bags with bidons in every cool bag and gels, etc. Uh, so that's a little bit different. So, well, how many, for a classic, let's break it up, for a classic then, how many biddens would you prepare for one day? So you'd probably put six, 60 in the race car. 60? Yeah, even though you're probably never going to need them. Yeah. But they're just, there in, just in, in case something happens. And then each service crew, six service crews, will take probably 25 each. Shit. Because at the end of every cobbled section, you know that, you know, there's going to be less and less riders yeah. with the team and less and less bidons are taken. But on a Grand Tour, you make three coolers. So you make two big coolers and a smaller cooler. The One big cooler goes in the first race car, and that's completely full. With How many? Probably 125 bidons. Shit. And then in the feed car, which we give the bidons at the start on the, bottle, on the bikes, and then we go to the feed and obviously to other points now uh, on mountains or whatever, we'll probably put the same in there. 120. Uh, yeah, and then the second car has a smaller cooler with probably 60 bidons, and hopefully we don't have too many guys dropping in the, in the group petto, <laughs> uh, for the second cooler. So we're looking at about, that's you know, 240, we're looking at about three, 300 biddens a day. That, that's a, probably at the most on the Grand Tour. In a hot stage? Yes. Like south yeah. of Spain? Yeah, and then the, the, the race car will always stop in a feed and ask for extra biddons because you guys have probably been back to the car so many times that hmm. he's run out. So we'll always get a message from the mechanic, say 20k before you arrive in the feed. So then we'll have another cooler already made with bidons to go is that do you make them up on the spot or you just put whatever you've got left in there so we obviously keep them cool and put them in ice and we'll put the ones that have already been in ice into bags to put into the race car and then while we've got a quick 20 minutes before you come we'll make up fresh bidons and put them back in the cooler shit so we sometimes sometimes we you know, I won't lie, we can have a rest in the feed and yeah. catch up on a little bit of sleep, but a lot of the time that doesn't happen. Yeah, you find a little restaurant yeah. close by, get and, some lunch? Or? Yeah, you usually get a fan banging on the window and asking for bidons while you're asleep. What are the fans like? Uh, most of, uh, in some countries, they can be quite aggressive about asking for bidons, and in Belgium, they're really, really cycling fans, and they come with photographs of the collection of bidons, going back you know to the days of freddie martins and stuff like that yeah. and they're asking you for bidons and bidons but the real collectors will actually bring you a bottle of belgian beer so it's quite a good trade if yeah. you give them a bidon for a you know a bottle of belgian beer but i was one of those little children at the side of the race once when, upon a time when yeah. the races used to come to the north of england and i was the one asking for the bidons and the caps yeah. so we always try to give the children the bidons first than so, the, rather yeah. than the old men yeah <laughs> you know you get guys older than me I'm 60 year old now yeah. and they're saying can I have a bid on for my baby so there must be a lot of fertile old guys in <laughs> like that like no. yesterday in Poland where we were at the feed there was children's racing on first so we were happy to give the ones that were used 
away to the children in cycling clothing. Mm. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's a bit the same how I am. You know, if I'm rolling to the start or at the end of the race, everyone's trying to grab the bottle off you. But if I can find, I'm pretty much relate to the same thing when I was young or even with my son now. I know he would love to have a little bidden or something from someone, so I want to give it to them um, rather than just some random person who's just gonna. Who knows? Do what with it? So, <laughs> I mean, we do races like Plouay. At the end of Plouay, you go to like a sports centre, and the the race is probably about five hundred k. The finish, the finish, sorry, five hundred metres. The finish is five hundred metres from the sports centre, and you get all these guys waiting for the cars coming back from the feed, because they know you're going to open the the, the cooler and the bidons are going to be to throw away because you're not going to take them to another race. And and to me, if you're a real cycling fan, you should be stood 500 metres away waiting for the race to finish, mm. not waiting next not to waiting the car for looking for bidons. So that, that's really, uh, that's quite annoying sometimes, things like that. Yeah, it's like, what's your priority here? A free bidden or? Yeah. 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 Well, obviously it is. Um, oh, then tell me about the, just quickly about the food numbers then. So preparing all these... Because what we often get is in the musette, which is the feed bag, we get, you know, like a small made rice cake, which is cooked rice made out into like a little, pretty much a patty, cut up, flavoured, and you get wrap that up in a little bit of foil. And then you can sometimes have paninis with like Nutella in it or um, Philadelphia and honey or ham and cheese even um so there might be one or two of them and then there's some normal race food that people know like gels and um bars and then maybe a banana maybe a mini coke sometimes you throw a snickers in there if we're lucky um so how long does it take to prepare or how many of those rice cakes and paninis do you do a day you know that's a massive process i can imagine so to make the rice cakes, we would probably use a kilo of rice for two different flavours. So 500 grams of rice makes one slab, probably 24 rice cakes, and the other 500 will make with, you know, a different flavour with sultanas, etc., and that'll make another 24 rice cakes. So uh, we make the rice cakes, we make the small paninis, like you said, Nutella, banana, ham and cheese, that sort of thing. Those are put onto the bus at the start of the stage, which you know, and mm-hmm. you put in your pocket whatever you want to take, and then the feed bags are all made up. On the grand tour, we usually put two rice cakes in, half a banana or a banana, and obviously the products from the sponsor, the gels and the bars, uh, and. I think we've stopped. We've, well, we have. We stopped putting tiny cans of coke in now. So you'll be a, yeah. Why? A bit disappointed. I, I think it was a a thing from Nigel, the nutritionist, yeah. and and we we spoke about it and do, do the riders need it and and the answer was no. So I think yeah. if you want a coke, Mitch, you've got to go back to the car and because <laughs> we still put a, a few small cokes in the the car. I didn't have it all the time, but every so often it was nice to have the mini coke there. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it's just yeah sometimes just to change it up you know yeah, like have yeah. the Snickers it's just something different if you have it every day then it's it's a bit tedious as well but um but I think well do you do you prefer the the fresh food to the energy bars and I that? do yeah. yeah I think most people do I do especially yeah. the rice cakes like look it really does depend who makes the rice cakes too yes and yeah, that's yeah. like some people really know how to make them and yeah. they're a good consistency yeah. good flavour but then 
maybe it's not the person, it could be just the day, but sometimes you get them and they're just slosh wrapped up in a piece of foil and then you look at it and you go, I'm not going to be able to eat no. that. Yeah. It's like cooking, isn't it? If yeah. You have to, if you if you like cooking at home, mm. you have to take care. It's it's all about TLC. Yeah. And for the you know, I've seen people who make rice cakes and it, it, it look look quite good in a sushi restaurant. <laughs> so you try and eat that on a bike and yeah. it just doesn't work. It's or you just taste it and you go, did you even taste this? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. like, and then you want to bring it back and go, mate, just yeah. taste this. If you can eat this, yeah, exactly. I'll eat it. But yeah, yeah. It's like I, I, when I make food, I try and make food what I would like to eat if I was riding two hundred and twenty k over cobbles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What What's the in your eyes? What's the best part of the day? Uh, I like early mo- early morning where we get up and we're usually the first to the truck and we can prepare and there's no noise and it's peaceful and. So early morning is a really good time for me, mm. and the best part of the day is if we get a result in a race. That, mm. Because for, I'm sure for you, whatever role you're having in the team that day, it rubs off, and you're really, really pleased when you get a result. And we're exactly the same. You know, we get to know you guys really well, and we get to like you guys. And if you get a result then it reflects on us and we're so happy for you to have the result as well yeah it is and a big it's and that's the same thing something that we spoke about yesterday on the massage table was that and you spoke about the football team how it's it's a quite a close family and everyone's I guess it has a lot to do with everyone coming to the club all the time and training there and building there and such a tight-knit group and in this it's not quite as easy to create because we only just come in and meet at the races and everyone goes off and the team changes quite a lot but on that note you still do get that feel of everyone's put something into this victory today and I think that a lot of the time gets overlooked from the outside especially for myself I know that a lot of people have asked me you know when you're doing the lead out in the sprint you know don't you ever just want to just try and go for the victory yourself and it's like it's not as easy as that, and it's it's all part of it. And I'm I'm very happy doing my job because I know I'm the one helping get him, whoever it is, to the victory. And the guy before me did that job to do that. And to go all the way back to the massage table, as you have done that to prepare us for that day. And it's all little drops in the ocean, you know. But that's what creates the victory and creates that that atmosphere I think when you know that everyone's putting in 100% you want to put in 100% yeah it's true and the, the popular popular can't even get my word head around it how popular cycling's become in countries like Australia and the UK now and all these new age cyclists you know when you've been in it for years you've been a cyclist for years and you you see the the new guys coming into cycling and they maybe look at Mitch Docker and you've done a lead out and you finish 85th on the stage and it's like oh Mitch Docker's not too good right? he finished 85th <laughs> you know and they, they, yeah. they don't understand that, totally you know you've got a job to do and it's a team sport and yeah. we have the same job to do and it really is a team sport and at the moment we have the Brexit thing in the UK and we, we're living proof that wherever you come from in the world we're, we're a tight unit and we can work together you know the, the nationalities we have on our team the staff and the riders and everybody works as one together it's you know you, 
it's it's not it's not us that causes the problems or the wars, is it? It's, no, no. That's it. And how long do you think you can see yourself doing this job? I think while I still have a passion for it, I I don't feel as if I'm old. I probably look old, and I don't get chance to exercise like I used to when I worked in football. Um, because it's so intense when you're on the road, you're probably up at seven o'clock in the morning, finish at ten o'clock at night, sometimes later on a race like Tour of Poland. But I never, ever, when I come away to a race, I never ever think, oh, I've got to go to work type of thing. Whereas I'm sure if I worked in an office, hospital, bike shop, factory, mm. there's a lot more times where you think like that. Sometimes I think I'd rather go out on my bike or I'd rather go to the beach today or something like that. But I never really think, oh, shit I've got to go to work or I've got to drive 2000k to you know Poland because some people would like to do a job like mine uh, yeah. I think I'm still quite lucky to be doing it and do you find it hard when you go home and you do so for instance all or nothing and when you in a normal job I guess you can come home and you can meet people most week most nights after work have a beer or whatever and most weekends you're there with normal job but with you it's like you could come back like you said last week you've been away all weekend and then you get back on Monday you've got Monday to say Wednesday off completely off and then you're gone again and I can imagine it's difficult to keep a normal friendship with friends because they're like well I can't catch up with you for a coffee Tuesday Monday morning at 10 o'clock because I've got to go to work and you know and then on the weekend they're like let's catch up on the weekend you're like well I'm off in the race so is that difficult to keep in touch with I suppose I'm quite lucky because I'm older now and <clears throat> I still do try and get out my bike in between races. That's my social life is going out for a bike ride, but it's only 50k now and a cafe stop. And the guys I go out with, I have a lot of guys, friends who were ex-firemen in the UK mm. and they've retired now. So we, we, we do have a little social sort of cafe culture ride out and... I probably have more time to do that than if I was still working in soccer because when you work in soccer you do get finished by probably three o'clock in the afternoon and you can keep fit all year round mm. whilst you're working in soccer um, during inclement weather when it's pouring down outside and you can't go out on your bike you've got gym facilities at the football club where you can do a cardio session or whatever and you, you you know you can always get out on your bike even when it's during dark nights mm. in the UK but in cycling you have a lot more time off through the day in between races so I probably have a better social life than before if you were younger and all your friends are working and that they're, they're only off on a weekend you know you what do you think about young guys being a Swanier? You see them step in, because I see a few guys who step in straight out of uni, university, and they're like 25, say, becoming a Swanier. And I think, yeah, it's it's a difficult life from that age, maybe. Would you agree, or do you think it doesn't matter? I think it's a difficult life for a younger guy coming straight out of uni because um, I think you really you need to have some more life skills. Yeah. You know, you, you get a guy... You know, maybe coming from Melbourne to live in Europe to do the job, and then you ask him to drive fifteen hundred k somewhere, and it's like a total culture shock to him. Or, yeah. You know, there's more like there's more to his university degree than that. You know, and also you probably want me settle down, have children, mm. and it's a bit harder life to do that. 
Yeah. You know, whereas my children are grown up now and I'm happy to come away. It's no problem. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Well, we're here in the morning of Tour of Poland and we've still got, uh, what have we done, two stages, so five to go. Um, thanks for being on the podcast, John. Looking forward to that massage tonight. Hopefully the feedbacks are ready for today. And... Um, been listening to life in the peloton hopefully i won't forget anything mitch exactly good day mate cheers mate